Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to welcome to our um, today's uh, panel discussion on finance options and challenges for small and mid-sized owners. I must say um, I'm very much impressed to see that there are so many people uh, are here in the conference room and are not standing at the coffee tables outside, but this is maybe because we have ice-bind week and you need to sit down and need some relaxation. Um, yeah, first of all, um, I would like to introduce you very shortly to our um, panelists, our esteemed panelists. Um, here we have right to my right, uh, we have uh, Timothy uh, So, who is Managing Director at Ascension, Ascension Finance, uh, an alternative financier. Then we have uh, Christian Stiefel, Director at Australis Maritime. Australis Maritime is a financing uh, platform of uh, Borealis and Borealis as such is doing more the equity investments, that is what I understood and uh, know. Then we have uh, Ali Susanto uh, from uh, Bremer Corporate Finance, Managing Director and Ali is based in the Singapore office and he will be here to comment on the Asian angle of our discussion. Then we have Martin Hugger who is at um, Meerbaum, who are affiliated with um, Oaktree, also an alternative lender. And last but not least, we have here Oliver Fark, um, managing director and partner at Capital Transport, um, an intermediary and financial advisor. Is that okay, Oliver? Uh, transport capital, yes, not capital oh. transport, uh, but anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for Just that. a minor point. <laughs> Sorry for that. Um, yeah, just um, starting with a f short intro from you guys, um, and before we speak more about the finance options and the, the challenges for small owners and mid-sized owners, I would be interested in what actually, which special niches are you covering particularly you. Sure. Um, so Ascension it offers senior secured first lien debts. Uh, we operate in the asset classes of greater liquidity, so container, uh, crew tankers, product tankers, and dry bulk. And within that, the flexibility we can offer on terms is very helpful to small and medium-sized owners. So we are flexible on age. We will finance vessels that are coming up to the end of their useful economic life down to scrap. We can offer non-recourse financing. We can be flexible on employment and loan to value. Um, we're also aware that when it comes to the sale and purchase process, it can be difficult for smaller and medium owners to move as quickly as their larger competitors. So we can also offer bridge financings and hunting licenses just to lock in that certainty of funding before you enter the auction process. Perfect. Thank you very much. Christian, three, four sentence. Yeah, I'd say I'd say that we are generally um, asset agnostic. So we are also obviously also a senior secured uh, lender, and uh, very much um, the, the product finance lease senior secured loans is is, is is roughly the same. There is no particular niche. We are really a globally positioned business. We have people across the world um, looking for 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 business in in that particular segment. Again, any segment that is. At the time um, uh, of, of, of you know the need for capital, we are there to to, to support them. Uh, obviously, 
this is a very interesting year, particularly me responsible for, uh, for, for the German market. Very difficult conditions. We're going to have to be honest about the dynamics that we are playing in. And uh, in, th in that sense, very little on the German front, but very much grown on the global scale. Thank you. And Ali? Yes. Um, Brema Corporate Finance, as you know, is a corporate finance arm of Brema's uh, shipping services. So I'm heading the Singapore office of Brema Corporate Finance. And the reason, indeed, if you're asking why suddenly I'm appear here is that my colleague thinks it would be good uh, for me to see, uh, to, to share a bit of uh, our knowledge and development. This year has been particularly good for us. We have closed five transactions so far. We have mandates for another six, of which four of them we have received a thumbship as well. Uh, you will see later on, I will explain a bit. It's basically a very diverse uh, client base from basically a ship owner, a, a new startup, a, a company buying their first dry bulk vessel and a, a second dry bulk vessel. And then there is a new transshipment company operating in Guinea and also a new tanker company. Okay, thank and, you. And also, yeah, we have to, to the extreme end, a US dollar one billion company as well. Okay. Uh, so I will explain, you will see that the financials are basically very diverse. And they are new, I would put it, green suit and pockets <coughs> of liquidity in Asia. Okay, thank you. Amani, your special niche you are covering in three, four sentences. Um, not so special, actually. What we are doing is we provide finance to small and mid-sized owners who have the capital um, to buy, say, one vessel cash. Uh, and would like to, find, to buy three vessels instead, uh, maybe not all at once, but uh, staggered over time, and they don't want to wait for their banks uh, for half a year or longer to provide them with finance uh, and see an opportunity going. So that's what we do. We help people compete with cash buyers. All right. Yes, uh, thank you. Um, our, our business model um, is based on four pillars. Um, firstly, we, we run our own uh, long-short hedge fund, which invests into maritime um, aviation and energy. This addresses uh, the, the needs and the demand from those investors who are not really like um, that adventurous uh, investing into a hard asset, uh, into an illiquid asset, but into liquid uh, positions only. And I can, I can share with you that um, the, the assets under management have increased uh, during the past 12 months uh, as they have never done before. So obviously there is um, awareness, um, there is interest in, in maritime and aviation and uh, in, in liquid positions. Secondly, um, we together with uh, Clemens Töpfer, Töpfer Transport, um, we run our own ship brokerage, S&P, as well as, um, as Charter. Uh, thirdly, um, we um, um, have started um, um, a, a, a new um, like uh, activity. We have set up our own um, company to invest early stage our own equity into startups, uh, uh, which are related to, to maritime only. And then um, our, our main pillar is corporate finance services, including intermediary services and advisory. Okay, perfect. Um, now, Martin Stockford told us a lot about the challenges we are facing in the shipping industry at the moment. And I would now be very interested to, to hear from you. Um, you as alternative lenders, alternative finances, um, 
we also see like, like um, old vessels, ship recycling. We see um, 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 sanctions. Are alternative lenders maybe a bit more flexible than traditional banks? M Martin? Well, I don't know if you can picture myself in an orange <laughs> jumpsuit in, in Guantanamo, Guantanamo Bay. I, I don't really want to end up there. And most of our clients uh, don't want that either. They prefer nice Caribbean shores uh, and maybe uh, some Cayman Island or Marshall Island companies. Uh, but no, we're absolutely inflexible there. We try to protect our clients um, from some hanky-panky charters uh, that sometimes tell, tell stories you won't believe. And um, we monitor vessels and we are um, probably monitoring vessels harder than banks do. Um, if you have Maersk as a client, you can rely on them knowing what they do and having internal setups and are legally sound and have the right people uh, to ask for sanctions issues. We help our clients uh, that they are not taken for a ride by some Switzerland-based uh, company uh, that claims that um, the Russian sanction principle is on lunch and therefore he doesn't count as a UBO. Okay, and uh, Christian, you how, how how are you dealing with with, uh, for example, sanctions? I mean, we, we, we share the inflexibility of obviously not allowing okay. sanction sanctioned business. I'd I'd probably talk a little bit about the approach though, because one thing is to look at um, the the case in front of you, see some keywords, and say no. The other one is actually to put in the due diligence, understand exactly what is happening here, who is the charterer, who is, what's the port involved, the cargo, the cargo owner, the port owner, all of these things need to be, at the end of the day, due diligence, and then ultimately come up with a very reasoned decision why you're not going, to, uh, going ahead with it. I think then you actually get from your, from your clients um, more positive feedback, rather than just saying flat out, no, there is this name in it and it, we can't do it. But absolutely, we would never obviously allow um, sanction trades or like sanction activity to, to, to go ahead. That's not possible. Again, it is about, you know, getting there in a, in a way that is, um, that is simply more pragmatic. All right, okay. But uh, where is, an, uh, because my understanding is that, uh, that alternative lenders are sometimes a bit more flexible, where is the flexibility you can offer? in comparison to traditional banks? I think age is definitely a factor where we are more flexible. If you talk to some of the larger international banks, you probably, they'll of course finance a new build. They might finance the second round, the first round of refinancing. But once that vessel enters double digits, you may struggle to, to go to the larger international banks. You'll then probably move to the local banks for a vessel that's maybe 10 or 11 years old but even they will probably tap out at around 14, 15 years old. And at least at Ascension, and I think some of the other alternative lenders will still look at vessels that are, are getting older. Um, obviously, the, it, the, the way the loan would look would differ as the vessel gets older, but it is possible to get financing for those end-of-life vessels that um, banks probably won't be willing to do. Okay, uh, that is very interesting because um, also with the increasing legal um, environment, also when it comes to scrapping, um, I would think that there, it would become more and more difficult for, for, for owners to find financing uh, when it comes to the end of the life of a, of a vessel. So uh, how do you deal then with the uh, regulations like the, the Hong Kong Convention and Basel Convention? 
I think the Hong Kong Convention we're, we're, we're supportive of. We think it's a responsible way to scrap vessels and a lot of our existing borrowers, even if the flag of the vessel doesn't require them to scrap under Hong Kong, they will have that as part of their voluntary ESG policy. And you can still get decent scrap value out of a vessel that's scrapped under Hong Kong, maybe not as much as if you went completely off off the grid to somewhere else, but that is there is still scrap value in that vessel, equity value in that vessel under Hong Kong. It does get trickier if you're looking at the EU convention for scrap or the, you know even the UK convention, and that's where we would have to do further diligence. But I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect an owner to scrap under Hong Kong and still be able to um, pay off a balloon that is structured to, to be paid off under the scrap um, proceeds. Yeah. Because it will definitely make a difference whether you scrap the vessel somewhere in India or... Turkey or uh, somewhere else. Huh? Um, Oliver, uh, what is your observation on, on that? Is, do you see alternative lenders a bit more flexible on, on, on old vessels and than traditional banks? Well, um, actually, we are, and sorry, I don't want to, I want to steal the show. Um, we, are, we are also actively dealing with, uh, with Asian lenders. Um, and, um, and on the other way around, uh, looking from here, eastbound, um, we as um, exclusive um, lending agents to Decker Bank uh, provide uh, refinancings to Chinese leasing houses. And what we have observed uh, during the last, say, six to seven months is I, I would say as a certain concern, and this then leads into a, into hesitance um, from Western banks um, to refinance Chinese leasing houses on a transaction by transaction basis, and this relates to this famous expression we have heard earlier in other panels. Yeah, these are the geopolitical reasons, um, and vice versa. Uh, looking eastbound, um, we see that. And we have witnessed and experienced, sadly, from, from, from our business perspective, that European ship owners said, well, this is a great leasing offer from a Chinese leasing house. It's very competitive, but for geopolitical reasons, yeah, we would prefer to finance yeah, with an alternative lender or um, with, a, with a commercial bank here in, 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 in Europe. So these are the two, the two let's say, um, observations we have made. I do not want to call it that this is a general, like, and, 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 a, and a big move, um, um, but actually it shows how sensitive capital is and how, how sensitive um, uh, and how quick you know, these sensitivities lead into, into concrete actions. Thank you, Oliver. Um, Ali. We see that uh, alternative lenders here are, when it comes to sanctions, yeah, they're strict. Yeah, when it comes to, for example, the, the age of the vessels, uh, they're a bit more flexible. Uh, in Asia, do you see more flexibility? Um, from the financial point of view, I would say yes. For example, we just concluded a 15 years old tanker financing uh, from a Japanese uh, money a Japanese operating lease, and we got 90% financing. Five-year tenor, um, yeah, it's down to very low scrap value. Um, again, I think the, the basis is still sanction whatever the money comes from now. Japan, China is definitely non-negotiable. Uh, the flexibility we see indeed on the age um, and also the client size. If you basically a new startup in shipping, you go to the bank, most likely will be turned down immediately. 
but for alternative financier, they are willing to consider, so they are more willing to take uh, residual risk. And the, the one aspect that I think is, uh, what is very good for alternative financier is the speed of execution. Uh, we, one of your colleagues, I think we closed one deal in Singapore from the start to beginning drawdown, only four weeks. Uh, so we all, the KYC now, in the bank or whatever, you cannot do it with, with the bank. Maybe to, to change the word fle like flexibility, the, the way I would approach it is, and I mentioned it at the beginning, um, with an asset agnostic approach, what is flexibility for us at Australis Merita? It is to acknowledge um, where you are in the cycle, in particular geographies, where you are in the cycle in particular asset classes, and then ultimately go there where the majority of lenders wouldn't go. The best example is offshore. So offshore is one of those areas where looking into 2022, we have done a tremendous amount of business. Banks are simply not present at all. Alternative lenders are not present in big numbers. And that's ultimately when you have an underlying thesis where you also underwrite that particular recovery in this, in this segment, it's easier to also then you know, do a meaningful business in these areas. Geographies, um, things uh, like countries like Turkey, like the Middle East, Southeast Asia, very, very important uh, markets for us uh, this year. Again, not where a lot of lenders are, 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 are present. Uh, however, ship owners remain there and ship owners continue to experience the same capital pressures as, 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 as in any given year, really. Um, so that's basically where I would say you know, the flexibility also sits, sits for us here. Thank you very much. Um, Tim, we have also now heard yeah, that much or so much about the, the challenges in the shipping industry. Uh, what does it actually mean for, for you then as a, as, a, as a lender or a financier? Um, is it difficult at the moment to deploy your capital, to do your lending, to find transactions? Regard, you know, we see so many prepayments uh, at the moment. We see uh, interest rates increasing. We see um, increasing risk. Yeah, how does it work for you? Um, I think it's not difficult to find opportunities to lend. I think to Martin's point earlier, a lot of the small and medium owners, they, they, they aren't flush with liquidity. They've done well in the last cycle, but they're not the masks of the world who've been able to just prepay down hundreds of millions in debt and don't need liquidity. So I think if, if an owner likes a project, they most likely are going to have to raise debt on it. I think where it has got tougher is with increasing underlying reference rates, your break-evens are now potentially double what they were 12 months ago, if not less. And in some asset classes, in preparation for what is the boom that is supposed to follow, you're already seeing the asset prices rise without a corresponding increase in day rates to allow you to, to be able to afford that high price. And so that's probably the tricky part now is finding that asset class where you aren't, as a lender, almost taking an equity position on where you think day rates may be in 2023, because they're not quite there yet, but the asset price is. Christian? So for Australis, 2022 will be the, the best year of capital deployment. And um, people who know me in the German market will say, how is that possible? Because obviously Germany, that market wasn't booming in, on the lending side. I can, I, can, I can say that, at least not for alternative lending. And again, it comes back to what I said previously. 
offshore, big part of it. But then the other thing is what you've seen in a market such as Greece, as an example, lots of asset players, S&P activity. And we're coming back to the speed of execution. When the opportunity is there, act fast, be reliable, and then people are coming to you because they know within two to three weeks they're going to have the cash on their, bank, on their bank account and they can close the deal. And that is what has driven a lot of activity for us this year. But Martin, are you still sitting on a, on a lot of money? Um, we cannot employ all the money we could get, actually. Um, the, uh, but can I say something to, to the uh, aspect of uh, Chinese leasing that you touched upon earlier? Yes, of course. Uh, you left me out on that, and you know that we have on the refinancing side, uh, we also have partners. It's not only Oak Tree Money, uh, but we also work with banks. And uh, what I find um, as a kind of client of, of uh, finance institutions, uh, the most relevant thing is that I can actually pick up the phone when there is an issue. And in shipping, there are always issues. And I, I can reach out to the person who has given me the money and tell him what the problem is and sort it out and come to a conclusion. Uh, whereas uh, if you have a new coming institution somewhere, they may be a bit cheaper, but you never know whether the person you talk to uh, during uh, the candy time when they hand out uh, all the indicative term sheets that they uh, promise the world upon, whether this is really the person that is still there after some time and uh, whether this is the person to talk to. And you'll find the institutions that are... Uh, let's say, more successful in alternative finance, to be uh, led and run by people that actually have a 20-, 30-year network, a little bit of grey hair. And uh, we used to joke about some old guy at Deutsche Schiffsbank who started his application saying, I personally know the client for 20 years. It actually matters. Maybe. And it's... <coughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. sorry. No. No, it was not the buzzword Deutsche Schiff, so I, I, I recall those uh, <laughs> those days uh, quite quite well. And not only I have grey hair, but also less hair than compared to, to, to you since uh, since then. But actually, maybe maybe looking at more from a, from a holistic point of view, um, I would say that most most of the lenders leasing companies are behind schedule uh, with regards to uh, their. Their lending capacity and their capital they, they wanted to deploy, and uh, this is this is not a, a result of um, a lack in opportunities. Uh, but um, you know, um, I think Tim said it there, uh, or, or, or Christian said it. Uh, the industry, the ship owners are flushed with uh, with liquidity. Um, they are deleveraging uh, and have delivered uh, um, during the past nine to twelve months. And this led to a huge amount uh, and wave of repayments, in particular um, in, in, in the lending books um, of the of the commercial banks. So, on a net basis, uh, net net basis, I would say most of them are behind schedule, and there is uh, there is uh, there is rather um, more capital available than there is demand for currently, uh, from, at least from 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 my point of view. And and this is a rather holistic, not going into each and any single sector um, or organization, this I cannot judge. Uh, there's Martin, Tim, and Christian, you're, you're better off there. Thank you. And Ali, how, how, how do you see that in, in Asia? Yeah, I, I add a bit uh, back to the point raised by Oliver 
just now on the lack of or lesser financing to the uh, Chinese leasing company. And on top of that, you read in the trade winds, they are facing some internal issues also, right? Uh, that was earlier this year where we thought that there might be lesser opportunity there. But to our surprise, actually, if you see uh, there actually uh, how the Chinese leasing company fund themselves is very diverse. Uh, some is indeed rely on international banks. Some of them, if you see, are basically owned by, I would say, maybe a shipyard or a big conglomerate where they have a lot of US dollar. And they find it actually difficult to deploy their US dollar as well. Uh, because of COVID, if you see where they can park their money. Aviation, definitely no. Property, no. What is the next big ticket item? Shipping. So, so indeed, so some of this, the fact that uh, one deal we, we closed three months ago and now we have another term seat come from the leasing company that I have never heard of one year ago. Uh, but when I got the term seat, I was a bit hesitant whether they can deliver or not. But this is the situation they face. They have plus with US dollar, they want to do deals and they delivered. So, so there, there, there are still uh, several tiers, I would say, of the Chinese leasing company. If you look wide enough, there are still some of them willing to do deals. Okay. Um, you are all now very much in lending and uh, have investors who are now um, provide debt. Uh, and debt to small and medium-sized uh, ship owners. Um, would it make, um, is there, um, what is the appetite at the moment for, for that, for providing debt? And, and what is actually the, the advantage uh, in comparison to uh, uh, invest in form of equity? Christian. I mean, look, um, we obviously run a, a variety of strategies um, in the wider group. And uh, what we can testify to is that the appetite for direct lending as a strategy in maritime is phenomenal. So that's, in many ways, it's probably the, the, the strongest proposition for investors. So we see zero um, uh, pullback, and, um, and, and, and so the commitment is very strong. But what is the reason for that? Is it because it's less operational? Risk-adjusted returns are very, very attractive. So to put it very bluntly, I mean, it's, it's um, the, and I'm specifically talking about the senior secured lending side, so not mass or, or junior. Uh, Given the volatility of shipping um, and uh, the type of returns that ultimately can be generated through um, alternative uh, lending strategies, it is simply a very interesting product. And again, we, um, to, to Martin's point, we, 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 we cannot actually take the capital that would come our way. We, okay. and, and, and so, yeah, very positive. Maybe also to add um, that um, for those lenders, leasing houses and financing institutions who are committed to transportation, there was a lack of opportunity in the aviation space, yeah, given you know that aviation was in a crisis. I mean, they have had a tremendous year. This year, it will not last. Um, this would be my, my best guess for, uh, for, for next year. Um, and due to this uh, lack uh, in, in opportunities to provide debt finance at, at decent terms and conditions in the avi aviation space, uh, lots of money, uh, including from institutional investors, was uh, allocated uh, to, to maritime. Uh, 
Yeah, and uh, I think this this had a quite positive and, and big impact um, um, into uh, into activity in in the maritime space. So I understand your investors like shipping, and it's not difficult for you to find investors. It, it's also very scalable, and scale is always important for for institutions. Um, how much can you actually scale opportunistic equity versus what you can do in the direct lending side? There is a, there's a difference here. Uh, by fund-level facilities, for example. Sorry? By fund-level facilities, so that you get refinance uh, I mean the, uh, from other for, banks for, and, and scale. Uh, for, scale us specifically, for us specifically, we obviously the business model is that we are raising institutional capital, which we then um, deploy. And for institutions, the ability to or the outlook that you ultimately can deploy not millions but billions is a very attractive proposition and what I'm trying to um, uh, say is that that path is probably more straightforward with direct lending versus something like opportunistic equity. Okay. Um, maybe also now refocusing again on the small and medium-sized ship owners. Um, I mean, yeah, we have heard of all these challenges, and the question is now, are there certain advantages for small and medium-sized ship owners? Are they, are they a bit more flexible to cope with, them, uh, with that in comparison to, to, to large ship owners? How do, you, how do you see that, Tim? Well, I've had ship owners tell me that <clears throat> in terms of return on investment perspective, the older ship, in terms of the price you pay versus the day rate discrepancy to a younger ship, you can actually make very good returns on an older ship. I'll you know, defer to people who actually take equity positions in ships, whether or not that's 100% true. But definitely compared to larger corporates that have much more stringent ESG policies, that flexibility to go after an asset that you like without having to be bound by other criteria, I think definitely makes it more interesting. I think the other side of that is also as a lender, <coughs> given the opportunity to lend... Uh, one ship, lend to one ship in a fleet of 30 and essentially be in a very minority position if something goes wrong versus being able to finance all three ships for a smaller owner. You could also argue that you'd rather be in that position of being a 100% lender to a smaller owner that you can have a proper dialogue with rather than just someone who's helping fill up the capital structure of a bigger company. Yeah, okay. Um, Martin, do you have a view on that? Do you, do you mean advantages for us to deal with advantages for the ship for the ship owners for the ship owners the ship you know, owner as such that they are more flexible uh, possibly um, or, or is it actually or is it a challenge for them uh, I think it uh, I wouldn't say small versus big I would say good versus bad um, there are very good companies that are large and there are very good companies that are small. And it has a lot, a lot to do with the knowledge that is within a company. And a small company can be horribly run. Um, if there is someone who just has money and ideas and doesn't know what he's doing, but you can have the same with a big company. So I think the, the, the challenge is to find that a company is actually a good run company. It's fast able to grasp opportunities, understands its business, Uh, has the right connections on the chartering side, has good technical people, and you can have that as a four-vessel company. Yeah. Uh, you can have that as a one-vessel company if you don't have it yourself but source it out. E even that works. But that, if you have uh, 
if, if you just think it's fancy to put money in shipping, we've all seen what happens. But what is uh, with regard to the regulatory, uh, regulatory environment? I mean, because this is uh, getting more and more uh, tougher and tougher, uh, isn't it easier for, for small or for, for, for large ship owners to, to cope with that? Or so Oliver, do you have oh, or Oliver? Um, look, I, I, would, I would rather put it the other way around. So um, in, in today's market, which is, which is very diversified in terms of sources of debt, potential sources of debt, um, there is maybe not for each and any situation such debt capital available, but it comes in, 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 in many, many different structures. And I mean, Ali had mentioned uh, a 15 years old tanker, um, which, which normally a, a, a Western bank would not touch. Uh, so there are, there are obviously sources available. Um, as, a, as a further example, I can, I can share with you that we found uh, debt capital for a 20 years old, old uh, biker and a 21 years old container vessels. Uh, on a, on a 25 years profile, uh, so there is capital available. This was for a, a really small uh, shipping company. And actually, there is also capital available. And, and, and Martin, uh, during the, the last break, uh, gave a, a slight impression, yeah, which from, for me, as, a, as an ex-banker, goes already into the equity, deep into the equity. In, in, in that case, we talk about a 70% uh, advance rate yeah, on the delivered cost or the acquisition cost. I think this is uh, this is already outside the regular senior debt, um, and and maybe uh, um, there there are there is capital available, yeah, which is called debt, uh, but goes up until eighty percent, yeah, of um, of delivered cost and and acquisition cost. Yeah, um, and what is now, Christian? For example, Martin mentioned that the average shipping company has um, seven vessels. Yeah. Would you rather see a consolidation, or uh, would that continue like that? I think we've been talking about consolidation for decades. I, I, don't, I don't see it. I think this will always be an industry uh, driven by entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial activity. I mean, I think the last statistic I've seen is that still 60, 65% of, of, of ownership as Yeah, I mean, this, this ties into what you just said. So, uh, yes, there will be consolidation at the margin, probably in a segment like LNG, it makes sense. But bulkers, tankers, not really. Um, no. Okay. Um, maybe, yeah, coming now um, to our last issue, uh, and that is, I mean, we, we touched upon that uh, before today, but um, Chinese leader Xi just reconfirmed once again the uh, unification with Taiwan and also reserved the right to, to use force. Um, here in Germany, we have big discussions about that. Uh, Taiwan and the, the impact on, on Germany, Europe, the economy, and so that we are looking to get more and more independent also from, from China. Um, my question is, um, also, and that goes first maybe to, to, to Ali, Do you already, how, I mean, do you see owners on the one side avoiding China and what is with financing, although I must always say with financing it might not be such a problem because once I have the money from the lender, yeah, that's, I don't care about that anymore, but of course when I'm ordering a new building vessel, yeah, uh, and then we have a, car, uh, a crisis, then of course that's going to be difficult if you want to call under a refundment guarantee, for example, from a Chinese refundment guarantor. Yep. 
I think if you look at the statistic in the first half of this year, the new building contract signed for in the Chinese shipyard has been going down 40% compared to last year. But last year, we have to remember that it is exceptionally good year for shipbuilding. Uh, so in general, it is still not a bad number. Uh, the other pocket liquidity, just now I mentioned a few things like the, the Chinese, the Japanese, and the last one we see going in the market, although not available for the small ship owner, is the Taiwanese. Uh, the, the, the Taiwanese now is also looking into shipping and they are bringing cheap money. Although in terms of the terms and approval, yeah, this is very diverse. It's not really for the, for the small and medium-sized owner. Uh, but from those countries, if you discuss with the working group, as of now, basically their message is still, don't worry, business as usual, uh, proceed as it is. Uh, it's proven that they're still approving deals, and yeah, both sides, I think, still doing deals. Uh, but from the ship owner perspective, the, the, for example, the wind farm in Taiwan, they are still, I think people are still going big time there. Uh, ordering new building, indeed, I think you need to, to be a bit more conscious. Uh, but as of now, I would say placing financing so far has not been slowing down. Okay, so thank you. I must ask, is anybody of you doing pre-delivery financing? Nobody. Okay. <laughs> this is a real niche, I would say. Uh, <laughs> a niche, yeah. A real niche. Uh, okay. So, because I was wondering whether uh, pre-delivery financier would take that into consideration. Yeah. There's no answer to that. The way we are involved is, yeah, get the pre-delivery financing from the Chinese as well. So, so it's still possible. Okay. Okay, so I think we are perfect in terms of time. Um, just to conclude, I think we, there's still a range of financing available here. You have investors who have still appetite in financing. You're, uh, to a large extent, when it comes to sanctions, you're not less flexible. Yeah, you're very straight. Yeah, um, but maybe when it comes to the to the age of the vessels, yeah, you're a bit more flexible. Uh, you're very quick to document a transaction. Um, I think that was a very yeah, uh, interesting insight. Thank you very much to the panel. Thank you. <laughs>